right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the CB Sports Podcast, episode 18. I'm Ben, that's Chris. What's up, Chris? How you doing? Uh, Yeah, you know, doing all right, doing all right. A little bit of a down week, as you know, for us uh, with the Sharks last week and all that, but we're trying to move forward. Uh, We're back here, episode 18. Um, Good to be back, and uh, we got a uh, special guest with us again uh, this week. We do. We got fucking Yoon. I just started off with the explicit... Uh, swear word right there, but we got Yoon on the line. Yunus, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, Ben. How are you? How are you doing, Chris? Doing good, man. Doing good. Good to have you on. Uh, it's good, man. I'm just sitting in my car in a parking garage in Los Angeles on a sunny <laughs> day. Pretty, pretty typical. Nice. That, that's that. <laughs> You're not burning up, right? <laughs> no, no, it's nice in here right now. Okay, good. Uh, good, dude. Been good. Nice. Very good. Very good. Well, dude, thanks for joining us, man. Like this is, we've been, you know, a long time coming. We've talked about having you on for a while now and I'm glad we finally got it worked out. And I think it's perfect timing, man, because your specialty, it seems like is uh, some NBA finals, some dubs talk, you know what I'm saying? And what a perfect time to get you on the, you know, afternoon before game one of the NBA finals. Game one happens to be today. That's right, man. Um, the Toronto Raptors are taking on the Golden State Warriors, and I'm just gonna kick it off really quick here. I am I missing something? Because I've read a few articles. Granted, I think Chris and I have confessed that neither of us are like NBA experts at all. Really, um, we don't follow religiously. However, however, sorry, I think my phone just made a ding sound. So apologies, listeners, if that came through. Um, but. I'm reading articles on this NBA Finals matchup, and a lot of people are picking the Raptors. And I'm... You think so? The articles I've read, yeah. Like, I read a couple athletic articles. I think I read a couple articles on the score, some ESPN guys, and and people on FS1, uh, on Colin Cowherd's show. Everyone hates the Warriors, man. Do Uh, they? I think Colin Cowherd loves the Warriors, dude. He, like... Cowherd's an exception. He is, but... Um, And he he ended up there because he... Sort of got forced out of ESPN, so um, I believe. Yeah, he did. Well, he he got he I got mean, let go. Most, yeah. of the, most of the wackest stuff you hear on the Warriors is on FS1. Okay, I just find it interesting uh, that like people are picking the Raptors in six, Raptors in seven, and I'm just thinking like, well, is there any pick Portland? Uh, not <laughs> That's to a good say point. That Toronto is Portland. In fact, Portland's much worse than Toronto. Um, <laughs> Toronto's a really good team. Um, and it's tough because the Warriors don't have like a large sample size versus them. Um, you know, they play twice a year and uh, they haven't matched up in the playoffs. Um, so this year, the first matchup, I believe, Curry and Draymond were out and the Warriors pushed it to overtime and I believe lost. And then the second game, Kawhi was out and the Warriors got destroyed at home. Interesting. <laughs> One of those like lack of inspiration games we've experienced this year. Yeah, I mean... Um, but they've turned the inspiration on, obviously, at the end of the Houston series, um, coincidentally with the exit of Durant. Um, so they sort of have to, uh, I guess, revert to their old ways of playing, just like the 2015 season when they first won the title. Um, so, yeah, you're just kind of left with a team that has to play it that way, the way we love them. Um, to win. I mean, that's what they've been doing, too. Right? That's what they've been doing. Like, they're... Ever, like you said, man, ever since Durant went down in that Houston series and the Warriors have, like, 
turned it on and they've been on a a winning streak right. since you know I mean, like guys have to step up to fill the void that Durant has that that creates when he leaves. Um, doesn't mean they're better without Durant. They're definitely not. Um, but they're really good with Curry. That's what this shows. Yeah, because he's the heart and soul of the offense, and Draymond is the heart and soul of the defense. Yeah, and this this lineup really represents that because. There's no other choice. If they don't do that, they're going to get destroyed, you know, um, especially with the lack of depth they have now. But Iguodala is very important, and you, I think everybody saw how important he was in the Portland series, um, and especially at the end of the Houston, Houston series when they – dude, they, like Houston had no chance, man. <laughs> you know, like everybody picked Houston in game, game six, remember? Yep. Everybody was so confident Houston's – like at this point, Houston's a failure if they don't win because the stage is set. The Warriors are hurt. You know they're seemingly the player that carried them through the off, the, the 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 playoffs is, is gone. So Houston should win this, right? Because it's two-two. Uh, but no, they forgot about Steph, man, and they forgot <laughs> about what Steph, Draymond, and Clay make up together, and Iguodala. So. That's, you can't even quantify that. That's like one super team that already existed before Durant came. Um, and it's still the same team. Yeah, and they're still doing it way. years after, you know? Yeah. After 20, what was it, 2015 was that first championship, right? So it's yeah. like, I mean, yeah, man. So if they get, you know, the question was who they get in the finals. They got Toronto. Toronto's a really experienced team. A long team, like they have a lot of length, especially in their front court. Uh, a lot of versatile players. Uh, definitely not Portland. Uh, Portland didn't really have guys like that, and like they got destroyed on defense. You know, um, so Toronto, I don't think is gonna fall into that trap. Uh, they have guys who can fight through screens. Um, Danny Green has historically been a problem for Steph, although I think this year he's a little worse than he has been at defending the three point. Um, but that might not matter because he's still better than anybody on Portland. So that's why people might be picking the Raptors because the Raptors have experience and Kawhi is a killer. Um, so you can't ignore any of that. And they made correct adjustments in the Milwaukee series, a series we thought they were completely dead. Like they were dead in water, right? Milwaukee's winning that series. Toronto wins four games in a row. Like, and effectively, like, Beat the shit out of Milwaukee, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beat the shit out of Philadelphia, like, like in a long sense. Like something about Toronto, they get better through a series. Um, so tonight's pivotal, obviously. You know, if the Warriors can come out and win, it doesn't guarantee them the series, but it definitely gives them a solid edge. And if they can, it gives them the confidence to go up 2-0. Uh, on the road. On the road. Yeah. Uh, and we've all seen this team do this, so there's no reason to think that they won't again. But Toronto's really formidable. It's like a weird steroid version of like San Antonio and Memphis thrown together with Toronto. It's like three teams put together to beat one. It's kind of sick. Um, <laughs> and like if you view them as like giant robots or something, and the Warriors have the players they have. Um, but we'll see how they start. You know, like Durant coming back, I think defensively is pivotal 
because he gives them flexibility on defense they otherwise would not have. Um, unless guys like Jordan Fowler step up. And, like, we've sort of seen that in the Portland series. Uh, Quinn Cook stepped up. All these guys stepped up uh, in the void of Durant. And there seems to be a togetherness that, like, once you get past the fucking Durant free agency shit, you see that this team is so together. And, and Durant's part of that. Um, and, like, that's the narrative in the national media is that these guys are, like, not. They have issues, like, this, that. But I don't think that's the case, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, they're playing like it, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... No, it's cool. No, it's no cool. you're good, dude. Um, you know, just bringing up the whole Durant point, I think, uh, I don't know, I guess one of the things I'm just going to be watching as far as the series goes is, you know, like, his return and whether or not, like, you know, we're talking about the Raptors going down 2-0 in the last series and coming back. Game 1 and Game 2 in Toronto being pivotal for the Warriors. I wonder, you know, if... The Warriors go up 2-0 in this series, or they go down 2-0 in this series. How much that really, I don't know, affects like whether they rush KD back or if they like ease him back. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't. Did it, any, either of you guys see like exactly when he was supposed to come back? I, I don't know if that's even really been well, said at this point. Team. Okay. Yeah. Um, that could mean multiple things. Um, there's still some people who think he's not coming back the whole series. There's people who think he's coming back like games five and six. Um, I think he comes back at some point. I mean, it's too big of a moment to miss. Um, and I think the Achilles thing is, again, like, so overblown. You know, like, yeah. it's a calf injury. Now, obviously, that's dangerous, and you should look after that. But, you know, Reggie Miller immediately yelled, like, it's a Achilles, watch his Achilles, you know. And um, based off Durant's explanation, it's like he's feeling better. I think he gets out there at some point. Um, I think if it looks really bad, maybe the emergency get him out there game two. I don't think that's the case, though. Maybe we'll see how the team does. I, if they destroy everybody, maybe he doesn't even get out there and they don't even worry about it. Um, the more interesting immediate thing tonight would be Boogie. And if he starts, I haven't actually looked at the news in at least 20 minutes, so I'm not entirely sure. Well, he is uh, He's active. He's right? back. He's yeah. active. So does he get time to start the second quarter and the fourth quarter um, and offensively boost that unit? Because that's uh, obviously they're going up against like a, a pretty talented Toronto team. And I think last series, uh, Van Vliet just went apeshit in the last three games. He had a kid and just fucking like went insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like those matches start mattering, and Boogie boosts that bench. Um, I think overall in the series, you can't play more than 15 minutes a game. Um, he's just too slow on defense. You know? Yeah, but that's another factor that comes into play that the Warriors haven't had all postseason, and like now the Raptors have to maybe account for that. And this game one and, you know, game two, you know, potentially this game one if he's going to play, and, and in game two, it's just yeah. kind of another element that they have to factor in and aren't able to, like, know what to necessarily expect right away because of the fact that he hasn't been in this entire postseason run for the Warriors, right? So, and like, yeah, there's also this mystery. I mean, I honestly kind of think like there's this mystery of them needing to maybe prepare for Durant and that's why they made him fly out like because he potentially could come back for game two or something, right? There's rumors, but like there's reports saying he won't, but like it's also maybe just like a tactic, you know, like of trying to throw off the opposition. You know, use... Yeah, well, yeah, you any well that too, but like to show any like just any advantage you can get, any edge, right? Like, 
like to get and like by bringing your star player like Kevin Durant even though he hasn't played in the last however many what five games or something six six games whatever like you know I, I, I think the problem with Toronto is they don't give a fuck <laughs> um, and that's kind of how they got there was they got through these two stalwart teams in the East that were considered young great teams you know they have these very talented players um, a lot of pe- people pick those teams to win and the Toronto shut everybody up a little bit and I think the big thing is that I think certain people think that fucking they're gonna need Durant in a long series because it's like Toronto's gonna fight back whether they're on the road or at home so the home court away court thing becomes irrelevant because these teams are great and Toronto's got players that have been there done that so everybody sort of how to how to you know like they know they know how to be there you know, they know what to do in those scenarios. Kawhi's won a finals MVP. Danny Green's won finals, you know, and they got all these hungry young guys, you know. Kawhi doesn't give a fuck about Durant. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think he cares. And that's the thing, is like, that matchup is so even, <laughs> you know, like, for, diff- for, for different reasons, but then it becomes about, like, Curry is a great, too. He's just as great as either of those guys. So, yeah, well... You know, like, I, I think that Curry's going to show his greatness. I think Draymond's going to show his greatness. Ultimately, Durant's going to maybe put clamps on the Toronto Raptors if they push it to game six. That's when I see Durant playing. In game six, definitely Durant. You know? Yeah. Um, they're not going to fly him around if he's not coming back at some point. You know? Um, that'd be silly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Chris, you so so Chris, you brought up uh, off air before we went on uh, another key factor on the on the you know court side for for one of these teams. Oh yeah, so um, <laughs> I mean, I, I just read this uh, about the NBA contacting the Raptors and basically uh, telling him or telling the team to keep Drake in check uh, when he's on the <laughs> sidelines. Um, and that's something I actually, you know, was reading through a little bit uh, on The Athletic. They kind of had their, uh, you know, mega finals preview and all that stuff. And, and they went into that a little bit, too. Um, I just thought it was funny. They were, you know, uh, the NBA basically saying, like, hey, like, Drake will kind of get into shouting matches with the players and stuff. And I guess that's actually okay as far as the fan conduct goes. But uh, he's had times where like he'll he'll go onto the court in a Raptors timeout and he'll be like patting the sure. head coach on the back. Yeah, he's like massaging and they're massaging like, his yeah. shoulders, and they're like, "All right, uh, yeah, don't do that." So, yeah. but it's funny though. I you know I was reading a little bit into it more, and yeah, obviously, obviously <laughs> Drake, you know, obviously from Toronto, Raptors fan. But I mean, he has a relationship with a lot of Warriors. Uh, he has a, a Steph and a KD uh, tattoo. So he's really? like, yeah, and he's, you know, he, he kind of, um, I was reading back uh, a, a couple years ago uh, when the Warriors, it was Katie's first season in uh, Oakland and, and the Warriors went to Toronto and they had a Drake night, like on, on the same day the Warriors were there and uh, they interviewed Drake and all this stuff, made it about him and um, yeah. they, uh, I remember that they, they asked Durant about it, you know, and he goes like, I don't give a damn about any Drake night or anything. Oh, yeah, I'm just trying to right. play. Like, you I know, like that. that was that whole thing. So, uh, I think they're all really good friends and they're like fucking with each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, because like there's the famous like Santa Ramon in and out, like Steph Curry, Drake hang after a game randomly. That's right. At yeah. San Ramon in and out. Yeah. I, I do yeah, actually remember like that. Fucking famous, dude. That happened. That was like Steph Curry and Fam and Drake and everybody hanging out, like randos. Yeah. 
the fucking in and out we grew up going to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Parents live right down the street from that. Um, that's uh, that's <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah. Dude, you used to see a Donald Foil at like your job. Yeah, I used to make him. I used to make him smoothies. Yeah, I made him smoothies. That's where we come, man. Now it's like we're talking about all-time greats. Yeah. Rolling around the bay, just like I don't know, it's crazy. It is crazy. I don't consider Drake an all-time great, though. I'm not a fan. I'm not a great. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, dude. I think. Uh, totally. Yeah, I hear you, man. I think. Uh, I just think that's gonna be a fun thing. That's just another element to just throw in there. Like, obviously, charge him up. yeah, Drake's gonna be oh. there, and like, he's gonna be Drake. And you saw Steph, what he said about that, right? Saw Steph. What, what did Steph say yeah. about it? I think he said it was cool, and he like encourages it, and he just feeds off of that. And it's just gonna be like Spike Lee on Overdrive. Remember that Reggie Miller shit back in the late '90s, and he fucking, oh man, he put the choker sign up against Spike. <laughs> After Spike was talking shit to him the whole game, I mean it's just some new shit, you know. Yeah, it's just uh, super hype, and you know he's a performer. He he likes to move his body a lot. I mean that's like the way he performs live, and that's just who he is. A person, it's kind of harmless in a weird way. I think as a Warriors fan, I thought it was hilarious, and I encourage him to do it so it fires our fucking players up. Yeah, I hear you. I know they'll be fired up, and they'll just. I, I think Toronto—it's in Toronto that's just best interest to have him chill a little bit, so Kawhi can just like do Kawhi things. Yeah, I, I think as much as uh, don't like match up, you know. <laughs> I think I think as much as the NBA is like you know making a big thing about like oh you know we told the Raptors to have them calm down and stuff. I feel like just from like a I don't know spotlight standpoint, it's I don't think they're like actually that concerned about it. It's like you know you have Drake, so you have that pool from all the pop culture and all that stuff. And like, I, I think there are people that are not that into the NBA that are going to watch the finals anyway, just because it's the NBA finals and it's the Warriors. And if there is that kind of Drake subplot, Drake. you know? Yeah. yeah. To see what Drake does. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think the NBA as a whole kind of would benefit from this and the whole pop culture side of it. So I don't think they're actually going to put their foot down that much when it comes to Drake, but it is kind of a funny situation. I think. Yeah. yeah but I, it's, it's a storyline, man. It's the finals. Exactly. Like every Super Bowl's got all these storylines, and they usually go over people's stories, like the 53-man roster. You might have not met this random, like, O-lineman. So here's the story, like, 30-minute segment. Um, I don't know. Dude, I, the media needs shit to talk about. So this type <laughs> of stuff's good. Yeah. People start talking about the NBA, and people, like you said, that wouldn't normally watch the game might be like, oh, let me check this shit out. Um, and then maybe be exposed to some greatness whether it's Kawhi going off, like, just being unstoppable or, like, the Warriors playing the team and getting those three-on-fours and destroying or four-on-threes. Um, you know, like, this is all great stuff, and I think we're in for a special series. Uh, I agree. I, I, it's just funny that it's, oh, my God, it's not It's not, It's not. not the Warriors and Cavaliers. <laughs> Finally, right? <laughs> yeah. But a similar structure with Kawhi being the dominant uh, swingman, uh, the focal point. But just not near, nowhere near the same playmaking as LeBron, but a much better shooter than LeBron on it's, a consistent base. It's just weird. He's like, averaging sixty percent true shooting in the playoffs. Yeah, he's like one of few guys to do that. It's just oh. no, no LeBron, man. It's kind of crazy. I think that's getting overlooked a little bit here. Uh, maybe as far as what I've seen, because I'm not necessarily completely in touch with the NBA dialogue going on. But like, 
It's just crazy. Like there, instead, there's other drama going on in LA with the Lakers and that whole shitstorm, right? But like, my goodness, uh, it's just it's like weird. The Clippers, the stable team in Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, you know. sort of better future. Yeah, we'll see. Except Jerry West. We'll see yeah. if they make their. We'll see if they make their comeback because there were a few years there where it's like the Clippers were the number one team in Los Angeles over the Lakers, right? But and then they kind of fell from grace, right? Like. Losing Chris Paul and losing bit. Blake Griffin and 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 the Warriors destroyed them. Like the Warriors made them obsolete. Yes, and um, I feel like that's what the like, I feel like that's what the Warriors yeah. have done to the Houston Rockets too. Like the same, like the Houston Rockets are like the team, and they're there, and like oh my god! But if the Warriors weren't in their way, they would they would be in the Western Conference. They they would be the Western Conference champion. Forty million dollar a year, thirty eight year old point guard. <laughs> Recently, you know, like they're just like we'll trade anybody except Harden. Yeah, I mean, they're they're open to all these possibilities. Well, we don't need to dive into that. But anyway, I just let's get predictions for this. Before game one, you know, before the tip off, like let's get some predictions for the NBA Finals. All right, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on you first, Eunice. What uh what is your prediction for this series? Uh, how many games? Who's I gonna think, win it? Uh, you know, my heart says the Warriors in six at home, the last game at Oracle ever lifting the trophy. You know, that's what you want with the stakes kind of raised. Okay. You know, that's the classical sort of like Jordan at finish would be like to Oracle at least would be like them to win it in that building. Yeah. Um, but I could see Toronto pushing to seven. Okay. I see that side of it. And I see the Warriors winning in five, you know, like, yeah. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> So I'm going to just say Warriors and six because that's, I think, what will happen. That's kind of a balance between the two. But I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way, you know, depending on the scenario. Okay. Um, but I believe in the Warriors, and I'll continue to believe in the Warriors, and I think Warriors and six win. Okay. Chris, what say you? Um, you know, I was thinking Warriors and six, too. I... I... I don't want to say that they're going to stomp over Toronto just because, I mean, the reasons we've talked about, I think Toronto is the strongest team that they have gone up against uh, up to this point. So I could see the Raptors definitely hanging in there. Um, I think, like I said, what the biggest X factor for me is just like if and when KD comes back, like what kind of series uh, and scenario is he walking into? But um, I think honestly, like the first two games in Toronto, to me, I don't think it's going to even really matter who wins, who goes up 2-0 or, or splits, whatever. I think the Warriors, in the end, are going to take it in six. I mean, obviously, if Toronto does go up 2 nothing, maybe maybe then, like you said, the Toronto pushes it to seven. But I just think that the Warriors already, without KD, I think are, are, are good enough to win. But just having that boost, whenever that is, towards the end winning of the season. four times. What's that? But winning against Toronto four times without KD. Yeah, I mean, That's so, Yeah. But I think uh, you know, even even if it does get pushed to six or potentially seven, whatever it is, I think KD coming back is just going to be probably too much for the Raptors to handle, as good as they are. So yeah, I'll take uh, yeah, I'll take the Warriors in six as well. What about you, Ben? I I I think Warriors in five, but but I think I think if the Warriors man, I think you said it doesn't matter who goes up, who wins the first two games, like who goes up two zero or one one or the other team that goes up two zero, yeah. like. I think if the Warriors go up 2-0 in Toronto and come home for Oracle for games three and four, I think they sweep them. That's how confident really? okay. I am. This is just blind Ben not knowing what the hell he's talking about really with the NBA. But I just, the Warriors, 
I just, they're too good. I just, I just, maybe I don't buy into Toronto because I don't know them as well. And I'm just like, all right, bring it on. Like, I think the Warriors do it in five. That would be my go-to. But if they win, if they, if they can take the first two games in Toronto, I think they come home for three and four. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. But I, I think they do it in five. Like, I think that Toronto will get one at home. But uh, if the Warriors pull off the first two games, I'm basically having two predictions here. If the Warriors win the first two games, I think they sweep. That's what I think. Well, you don't get two predictions. You get one prediction. One and what and the hell? Predictions. I'm going to go Warriors in five. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. So we'll see, though. You know, we'll we'll see how it goes down. Game one tonight, dude. It's going to be fun to watch. Fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um. All right, well, let's move on to uh, some other some other stuff here. All right, let's go into baseball. So, yeah, baseball season is among us, and I can say I feel like I'm now fully within I've accepted that it's baseball season. All right, the shark season's done. We'll get into that later. My heart has some scar tissue on it, but like it's kind of healed. I've accepted it. I'm definitely rooting for the Blues against the Bruins. I've accepted it. I don't have any harsh feelings against them, you know? Um, But moving into baseball now, right? Because we are in the days of summer and the Tampa Bay Rays, all right? How are they doing this year, Chris? How are the Tampa Bay Rays doing? Uh, they're doing uh, pretty solid. I actually don't have the record in front of me. Of course, I had it, and then I switched pages. But uh, by no stretch are they struggling. I will tell you that. And at one point, I know they were, they had the best record in baseball at one point. They did. It's not they're, anymore. The Twins do, so and we'll get back to that. They're 34-19 right now. And 19 right right now. 34-19. One game out of first place in the AL East. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, you figure on paper, it's a good record, pretty solid team, entertaining team. But uh, the thing we're going to get into is... The, something that's not so good uh, no. with the Rays. And uh, you, you want me to Go for it. take this? Okay, so Tuesday night against the Blue Jays, they had 5,786 fans in attendance, which was, I know, a season low. I want to venture to guess that it's probably a low, like franchise low. Yeah, smallest home crowd in the franchise's 22-year yeah. history. Which is, you know, the Rays have kind of gone through this. They don't have great attendances anyway. But the fact that, you know, they're 15 games over 500. This is probably a playoff team when it all when it comes down to it, and uh, for them to get less than six thousand fans, I mean, they're like to put it in perspective. I think they said that there have been multiple occasions where like minor league teams have had more fans than what the Rays got on Tuesday. So that was just kind of ugly to see. I know MLB is kind of worried about their attendance issues and all that stuff, but uh, I just I feel bad because it's like you know if you're Tampa, what else what else can you do to bring fans in dude i mean they're winning you know so it's kind of i don't know that was kind of rough to see i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or well i just sorry go ahead Ian. do you think it's a result of do you think overall mlb attendance is down um it is it, it definitely For is sure. across the board because what was it, 08 was the last time they were good like with the longoria and the price and they went to the CS against the Phillies, I think, right? Is that them? Uh, that was the World Series in 08, yeah. I mean, they've been competitive. Yeah, and that they've, year they had low attendance, too. They've, they've yeah, yeah. They had low this year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, dude, in, in 27, it's just yeah, interesting in perspective. Like, the, in 2017, their previous attendance low before this of less than 6,000, their previous low was in 2017. So just two years ago, um, where they were at 6,509. But that was because of the fact that Hurricane Irma was like incoming and, and residents in, in South Florida there, you know, like in, in, in Tampa Bay and St. Petersburg area, 
were, you know, what is that? South, sorry, that's Southwest Has Florida. Yeah. Decline in general. Um, I mean, yeah, they were the second, they averaged, you know, just over 14,000 fans a game last year, which was the second worst in MLB ahead of the Miami Marlins. So the F- Florida has problems with getting baseball fans out there, yeah. you know, like clearly. Um, it's a complicated place. Yeah, man. It's just, it's kind of, I mean, and you think like, look at like the Tampa Bay Lightning though, dude. Like they have great attendance and they're, yeah. and they, I mean, Why but their team's killing it. Like so every city has strong attendance, right? More or less? Because of, you mean in hockey? Yeah, like there's hockey fans everywhere. No, like, Florida, the Florida Panthers struggle mightily in NHL attendance. Uh-huh. Like like looking at Where this past looking? season, Tampa Bay was sixth, averaging just over 19,000 a game for this last year. The Tampa Bay Lightning, that is. But like, that's what's weird though, is like the fact that the Rays are having like a great start to the season and they're like exciting uh-huh. to watch. Is it just because Tropicana is such a dump? Is that why? Like I know they're in talks of trying to get a stadium thing worked out like yeah it's a, i know they downsize yeah. the field or the t- not the field but they downsize like the crowd area yeah. to like make it more of an intimate setting and and I mean, for a year i know you don't like them but the, the giant play that candlestick and that was sort of a dump toward the end of their reign there because they were sharing it and so opening at yeah, they definitely brought just viewers in to like you know so they leaned on that even though when they were shitty they were drawing because of the park so I'm sure that has a play in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think it definitely does. I think as far as you know, the Rays and their stadium, it's just kind of weird because almost as soon as that was built, within like a couple of years, everyone was already talking about how like, oh well, you know, are they gonna be able to upgrade this or are they gonna get a new stadium anytime? Like th- this has literally been going on like almost the entire time that they've been at Tropicana. So Steinbrenner's budget. MLB project or something, right? What's that? What it is? It's like George Steinbrenner's like budget project initially. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, connection there, right? I think yeah. Like Yankee South. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, dude. I mean, it's just kind of I don't know. It's kind of sad to like see that because I think you know the talk is obviously like like you're like you brought up with the Giants and like you know how much can attendance be boosted with new stadiums and I think we've seen that with pretty much. Every stadium, I mean, you look at the Marlins and we were talking about how, how their attendance and their record like is very poor, but at the same time, like when they opened their, their ballpark, like they also saw a pretty good attendance increase, at least for the couple years that it was open and now it's kind of died off again. Um, I feel like as far as with Tampa, you know, like you can go so far to build a new stadium and all this stuff and yeah, it'll probably peak interest in the short term, but I, I think when it comes down to it, like we're saying, Florida, I just don't see, especially Tampa as being like a place that they're going to be able to continue to generate, you know, fan interest. So I could honestly, baseball's talking about expansion or, or relocation and all that stuff, uh, potentially maybe bringing a Montreal team back at this rate. Like, I don't see how Tampa doesn't relocate at some point. Like, I, there's no way you can. So, so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Fan base wise. Yeah, you'd think so. But like. I guess. I mean. Damn, man, it's like it's just a bummer that like even success isn't seeming isn't really drawing fans out right now. And maybe and maybe it's because it's still you could still say it's early, dude. It is like right into the season. It's early, and I think part of the, like you know we were talking about with the Lightning. I mean, I know they had a, the quick exit in the playoffs, but for the first month, month and a half of baseball season, everyone was you know 
looking at the lightning and, yeah. and their their run and all that stuff. So you're right. I mean, it's probably, you know, take them a little while to kind of realize that Tampa's like, oh, shit, like we're actually doing pretty well. Yeah. Like, it's like, see if this is actually a for real team that's going to compete and compete with the elites like the Yankees, right? So it's like, yeah, I mean, I think we'll. T- I I think it's great to see that the team's doing well. That's awesome. Like, I'm not a Rays fan or anything, but like, I think... It's it's good to see other teams doing well, especially in that division. And you want right? to see like, like the small market teams, yeah. I think. Succeed. And like, I mean, even the I'd love to see the Marlins do better and see their attendance go up. You don't want to see a team just die and just suffer like that, right? Unless you hate them, like you know what I mean. Like it's really fun to see the lack of fans going to Giants games now. Just saying, all right. Just <laughs> hey. saying, all right. Wow. Because of the fact that they are we're, trash we're right now. Been nothing for years. So. But like. Anyways, it's, just, it's just, <laughs> so I think it's sad, but I think we'll see a shift as the it'll be an interesting storyline to see how it continue if the Rays continue their success on the field. Yeah. If this changes the numbers of fans in the stands, that's like that's it, what I it think. It's still early. It is, like yeah, we we you see right fans show up when teams do well, even if they're in garbage parks, right? So we'll see. I think I'm, if the Rays made the playoffs. It'd be lit because it's a pretty young crowd over in St. Pete now. It's, there is a demographic shift. It's more hipster, there's more breweries. So it is actually a hang now as opposed to it used to just be a sort of like a retirement community over there. <laughs> so I think through the season you'd see it like boost, I would say. Especially if they're like at 60 wins, 70 wins. You know, yeah, man. Maybe pushing for a hundred, you know. Just like in all sports, man. If you win, they will come. It's like the field of dreams saying, right? If you build it, he will come. It's like if you get W's, they will come. They will show up. It's just how it is in yeah. sports, right? Wanna exactly one one quick note I did want to mention, just kind of getting into their attendance totals and stuff. Their highest attendance in a season was two point five million. That was nineteen ninety eight, which is their first year. The next three highest were two thousand nine. 2010 and then 2008 and uh you know Eunice as you mentioned with the 2008 team the team that went to the World Series so that was their fourth highest attendance and then the two years after that so I mean you know like it was at the beginning when they were right there and then as they started to win we've kind of seen it tail off but I think if they're around the playoffs and stuff that hopefully they do uh, kind of see a spike in attendance because I, I would like to see the Rays succeed and especially if they can stay there I don't like seeing teams have to like juggle this relocation and all that stuff so we'll see how it plays out but like you guys said it's early well, so they, hopefully well, the played them like in, what year was that like in high school that's when the A's played them yeah in freshman year of high school you mean in the, and shit. in the post season yeah they played in the post season I believe the first round I don't know, it's something Chris would know off the top of his head. Off the top of my head I don't remember it I mean I can look back through yeah, but I remember that as a kid man. that was crazy yeah, and they beat the and they beat their race, and they got swept by the the Tigers. Anyway, sorry, interesting. No, 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 no worries, dude. Um, yeah. yeah. I think uh, okay. Well, well, let's move on to another surprise team that I think has caught some attention here uh, with the best record in baseball right now. The Minnesota Twins, who are just you think the Yankees are the Bronx, but you think they're the Bombers? <laughs> like no way, dude. The 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 Twinnies are slugging. The ball with their bats, dude. Uh, what's Chris? Let's. Why don't you give us some details on the uh, what the Minnesota Twins are doing? In yeah, Twins man. Cities? So as you said, thirty-seven and seventeen, best record in baseball. Um, Nine which, and a half in front of Cleveland. Yeah, they're running away with that division. I, I'm pretty sure we both picked Cleveland as we did. our central winners. So it's not looking good. Um, I 
I have to go back and, and look at it. But I think I had Minnesota maybe hanging around there as a wild card. I know I didn't pick them to make it, so they're proving us wrong at this point. But um, anyway, as far as their hot start goes, they've hit 106 home runs in 54 games. So almost two home runs a game. Uh, they're on their way to shatter the major league record uh, by home runs by a team in a season. The Yankees said it last year. Uh, the Twins are on pace to just cruise right by that. What is the, you know what that record um, is? It's 200 and... I think like... two. It's like in the 250s. Okay. I don't know the exact number. I know okay. it's like around 250. Um, and right now, I mean, they're on pace to... Go be over three hundred yeah. at this point, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, some of, look looking a little bit into like some of the numbers, some of the players. Um, they right now have. Let me see one, two, three, four. They have four players already with ten home runs. Eddie Rosario leads with seventeen home runs, forty-seven RBIs. That leads the American League. You got CJ Crone, thirteen home runs. Max Kepler, twelve. Jonathan Jonathan Scoop. 10 home runs and scoop scoop uh jorge polanco nine home runs 335 batting average so it's (laughs) but uh yeah dude so they they are crushing right now um you know going back to the whole thing like seeing smaller market teams succeed and all that i am not a twins fan but i i really do like seeing this team doing what they are doing because of not only the fact that like you know they're not one of the bigger markets in in baseball but I mean, look at the guys that I just read off that have hit those home runs. Like, all those guys are up-and-coming guys, homegrown players. The Twins haven't really dipped too much into free agency and all those big contracts and stuff. So to see them just flat-out raking and and outpacing teams like the Yankees and the Indians and the Red Sox and and even Houston... um, it's I, I I think it's good to see, um, and yes. it'll be interesting because we talked about this like early in the season with Seattle, how how the Mariners got off that start. They hit home runs like in twelve straight games, yep. and like they were leading. And I I do remember saying like you know they can hit, but that's kind of all they can do well, and they're gonna tail off. And, and now look, that's exactly yeah. what they've done. They're, they're in last place. place. Yeah, Minnesota. I wanted to dig into their numbers a little bit more too because I wanted to see if it's like all right, is this just them like hitting, but they can't do anything else. But that's not the case. They're actually top five uh, in pitching ERA. Uh, they're in the top half of the league in fielding percentage. So this seems like it's a legit breakout. Like, I don't know that they're going to necessarily continue at this pace as far as the home runs go. But uh, it does seem like it's a sustainable start. Uh, I don't know. I think on, they're on pace to – or I think they're project not on pace, but there's like a kind of a Pakoda projections throughout the year and stuff. And they kind of – Put all that, put all the stats together, and shoot out like your projected number. I think they're projected to win 98 games uh, as it stands right now. We'll see if that they actually get to that point, but I think they're definitely a team who is legit, and I think they could definitely win the AL Central and kind of prove a lot of teams wrong. I think for It'd sure. Be fun so. to see, man. That would be really cool. Like, I obviously I've always said like how I have a soft spot for Minnesota teams. I would love to see the Twins do it. Although I'm starting to develop this like soft spot for the Chicago White Sox and I know they're not doing they're like nine and a half back. why, why no. is that why are the White Sox well because well, because two reasons one ever since the Cubs got good and they won the World Series they've been pissing me off okay I, like I always liked Sammy Sosa growing <laughs> up and like I know he was a juicer and stuff but like they just have pissed me off the lovable losers are now the annoying winners and like they're good and I don't know they annoy me so you know. just want like the underdog I don't like that. team, and then or... also because the White Sox, like, yeah, I feel like they're the team in that market that's like the afterthought now because the Cubs have always been the Cubs and the curse and that whole thing, and like, you know, I just kind of look at sense. them like yeah. that, and yeah. uh, and then also because like I don't know Northwestern and like 
because I'm going there right now, and like it's a, you know Chicago, and then they had a Northwestern night recently. South Chicago versus North Chicago. Yeah, exactly. So like you know the South Side, and they just had Northwestern night there, and they had these kick-ass purple like White Sox hats with the Northwestern logo on, and I was like, holy crap, that's awesome. And as we'll get to our later segment about uniforms, that's another oh, reason right, why. So right. anyway, <laughs> but obviously I'm stoked for the Twins. Uh, I think that's exciting that, I mean, I would love to see them shatter that record. If they can stay on pace, like if they just hit like over 300 home runs, like that would be insane. That'd be crazy. Yeah. And to do it with the guys that they have, like yeah, I said, it's exactly. like, none of the, like those guys are all like developing hitters, but you don't have like a Barry Bonds type, Sammy Sosa type, or even even like modern day, like John Carlos Stanton type of guy on exactly. that team. No. But the fact that they have like five guys that are on pace to hit 30 home runs is, is That's pretty gonna cool. That's going to be the key though, is like so keeping like it. Kansas City from a few years back, where they had all those guys that were just hitting well. Remember the Kansas City team? You mean they is, that, is that the uh, World Series team? Yeah, yeah, that team had a bunch of guys that were just Oh, yeah, 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 right? for sure. They were just Same. and hitting. They were just that. Same kind of they thing, dude. They one, like, star. Exactly, same kind of thing. That's what I that's what I kind of like about the Twins is like, so you know, like the Royals, like kind of one of those AL Central teams who they don't have a huge market and like they're not going to go out and buy all these stars, but if they're able to develop their guys and like have like good contributions across the board, I could I could see the Twins maybe making that same kind of run with the Royals. I mean, they they made it to a back to back World Series, lost one, one one, but uh, yeah, we'll see if Minnesota can can do that as well. I was. Just looking at, they haven't won a playoff game since 2004. So that's going to wow. be a little bit rough, but uh, we'll see. Maybe this team can break that trend. So, Yeah, you. Since 2004, was that, who was that against, did it say? Uh, yeah, 2004, they played the Yankees. They lost three games to one uh, to the Yankees. Was that after they knocked off the A's? Yeah, I think so, right? Was that the well, money? Because no, it was the division series. That was first round. Oh, so that must have been like yeah. the year before, a couple of years before then. Because the Minnesota Twins been, were the team that knocked it off the A's been, and uh, ended the A's Maybe run. it was 2002, yeah, I think, right. where they yeah, lost yeah, the ALCS. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, otherwise they've been swept in three straight LDS. And then uh, they made the playoffs in 2017, lost in the wild card game. So yeah, they're 0-10 in their last four postseason <sighs> appearances. But Well, we'll see. The the season is young still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, the Twins will be retiring Joe Maurer's jersey. I didn't know that. Uh, June 15th, they're doing Joe Maurer jersey retirement. I, I knew it was coming at some point. I didn't know that that was the date, but that's yeah, cool. Yeah, 15-year career all with the Minnesota Twins each season. So good for him, and that's going to be a fun weekend. I'm sure they're giving away these cool hats with, like, the number seven and, like, cool logo thing anyway uh let's move on to another baseball thing carlos correa <laughs> Eunice, did you hear about carlos correa no i haven't what happened what happened okay. to him chris <laughs> all right guys so this is what happened um yeah you can you can google if you want I'll, uh, I'll let everybody know though um so he went on the dl yesterday with uh fractured rib or slash ribs and uh his explanation for how that occurred was that he suffered fractured ribs while getting a massage at his house on on Tuesday. Uh, so, well, yeah, that's they because uh, they, they asked AJ Hinch about it, the the manager, and all he said was, you know, yeah, you know, Carlos suffered fractured ribs, and he basically said, I'll leave it to Carlos to let you know anything else. And I guess so. That's all he wanted to yeah, divulge. Yeah, he's like, I don't. And yeah, I, yeah. Carlos Crazy, yeah, I have fractured ribs, dude. Even let's just say let's okay you know there's two ways to spin this but let's say that this is true okay. that this is actually true he was getting a massage and he fractured his some ribs one how strong 
does whoever the masseuse or whoever who how strong do they have to be that just like fracture rib crack of professional athletes ribs with their bare hands and two how soft do you have to be for that to happen dude like we're not professional athletes but i don't think that like i don't know i can't see myself just like fracturing ribs by getting a massage i don't i don't know how that i mean you're talking some seriously intense like massage going on because i've 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 i actually had back pain the last five days or so like unbearable i had this like crazy i don't know what happened but like i couldn't even i could barely move i had to like call out of work almost it was unbearable so yeah i mean i don't know what i did i slept on it wrong i did something i tweaked it i don't know what i did but it was horrible and so i had nicole like digging into my back and like lay flat on the floor on the floor and have her like dig an elbow in i even told her like put your heel in my back and like i i get up from that and i'm like you can feel some pressure on your ribs but that's like to fracture your rib <laughs> like what 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 are you doing what are you having somebody stand on your i mean what what's going on there like what why are you doing this at home first of all when don't you have a training facility don't you have professional guys that can do this for you like that this is their job to like right like like the athletic trainers for the for the astros organization what's like it just seems like a stupid way to get an injury and kind of ridiculous and hilarious at the same time am i wrong like i mean to me it kind of brings up like was there some kind of robert Kraft massage kind of situation going on like <laughs> oh, yeah. like why is this yeah. just like a you know like oh i had a at-home massage but then no one said yeah now, <laughs> not yet that has not been resolved no. robert Kraft's thing has not been resolved there's still there's footage that they want to release to the public about it and i'm just we like don't know what happened we all <laughs> everybody knows what we happened. Already see it, to be yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. Eek. Eeky. Oh. I mean, no doubt, man. How do you break a fucking rib massaging? Unless you're like already hurt there and you like stupidly let somebody massage it, which <sighs> seems beyond me. Or it's a cover up. I don't know. It seems all ridiculous to me. It does. I mean, there uh, could be a cover up easily. There could easily be a cover up. You know, so yeah, like the Hamid, uh, the the Monte Ellis moped thing. Remember that? Initially, that wasn't reported as a moped accident. That Monte Ellis did. Yeah, when he first drafted Baron Davis, he got into a moped accident before the season, before he was the pro- proclaimed sort of like leader of the team, and he gets injured, and then the team found out like a week after that he had a moped injury, and then oh. he got suspended. Because he so, lied. Because he man. lied about it. Yeah, he lied initially, and then he was suspended for the first part of the season while he was injured, of course. Damn. Um, but I think he was not injured and he was still suspended for a second. Yeah, it was a whole bunch of bullshit. Weird. On everybody's end. I don't know. Um, so he's out four to six weeks, though, man. Uh, Correa. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But and, and Altuve and Springer yeah, are both yeah. out too. Yeah. It's like, well, how irresponsible! Like, their three star players are now out. Like, which is great as an A's fan because now they <laughs> have a three game series. I think with the A's coming up starting tomorrow, I believe. Uh, yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. So it's like, all right, swinging A's, dude. Let's let's get this going. Let's capitalize and gain some ground on because they're in first place right now in the division. I think by like seven games or something, something like that. So yeah, I saw on a. I have the standings the, uh, in front of me right here. Yeah, seven and a half. Games. Seven and a half games. Yeah, I saw on the Astros like on their you know like SB Nation side or whatever. Um, 
fans are starting to speculate that they're that the Astros are running like a secret fight club and that's how all these guys they're like Altuve probably need Correa in the ribs and that's how like all these guys are just getting injuries and lingering injuries so I don't know that's ridiculous we'll see if if anything else comes up it was you know interesting how you're talking about Ben how like why is he getting massage at home versus like in the training room so I wonder if that is something that like, or maybe, you know, maybe Correa probably told the Astros like, hey, this is what happened. It's embarrassing. And just play along with and it. And the PR you know? guys were like, all right, but here's like, what we're going to say. It's just kind of, yeah, the whole thing's kind of weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't add up to it me. Is well, weird. It doesn't have problems, right? Yeah. Um, to add more would just make it seem super dysfunctional. Yeah. So maybe there is reason to cover it up. I mean, the A's are dominating that division, right? The A's? Yeah, or what's the deal with that? No, the A's are in second place. They're behind the Astros. The A's are killing it, though. They, I mean, they just had a 10-game winning streak, or 10 and yeah. ten and three quarters, because they have that shortened game that has to be continued with the Tigers, I believe, uh, later in the season. But um, that got delayed, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, the A's are doing well, and they've, they've definitely caught up to the Astros within striking distance. The Astros are winning, too. You're I mean, there's... this is a potential, like, go-ahead situation. Well, no. I mean, they're still seven and a half back, but they can gain some ground. They can pull within five games of this team if they can sweep this series. So, I mean, we'll see. The A's are eight and two in their last ten. The Astros are six and four in their last ten. So it's like both teams well, like are doing well. Or, yeah, it helps the A's that Correa's out. Right. Yeah, this oh. helps the A's that Correa's out for sure. So, and the Rangers are right on their tail too. So they got to watch out for them. Um, but anyway, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. I just this is an interesting. Interesting storyline. So let's move on to a little hockey segment here. This could be the last that we talk about the Sharks for a little while until, you know, free agency time rolls around. I think it's like July 1st is when it becomes official, right? So, uh, but basically the Sharks, as we know, got eliminated. Um, Their season's over, which is very sad because there were so many so many great things that happened this postseason, like the two seven-game series that were just insane, but like the the Pavelski payback game seven, well, just half of a period in the game seven against the Golden Knights, like a lot of stuff that was just, this was an exciting shark season and like exciting run, and it's just sad to see it come to a close. But um, mainly, I guess what we want to talk about is just kind of reflect how did we feel about the Sharks' year overall and uh, what we see moving forward for this team. yeah, I don't know who wants to kick it off. You and do you want to kick off a little bit? Just what you're, you know, I don't know how closely you followed the Sharks this year overall, but like, what do you think? I, d- I definitely didn't follow the regular season too much. Um, I had a loose sort of idea they were in the playoffs. I always figured they were in the playoffs. Um, but I did follow the playoffs, dude. I know they were very resilient in the playoffs, and I think that's what they showed this year was resiliency. Totally. And that's what you hope they show going down against the Blues initially. Um, but they just, you know, just ran out of the tank. Um, it's just interesting because it might be the end of some eras in San Jose this year. So it is, like you said, maybe a little bittersweet just because we're stopping to talk. We're not talking about the Sharks anymore, but also maybe some of our favorite players might be leaving. Um, and it was sort of like their last hurrah, maybe. Yeah, um, um, with all of them together, at least, this, this crew. Yeah. yeah. But I still think they're strong for the future. And that's what they showed in the playoffs, that they're a strong team and they, they are deep. Um, it's just winning a championship in hockey just seems like such a mental battle and just being consistent night in and out and physical and not getting affected by being other teams being physical towards you. The Sharks have always sort of run into that in the finals, whether it's conference finals or I think even in the, the one time they went to the 
conference finals. Those the East teams are big, and some of the Western teams are huge too. And the Sharks have been big, but I think they've been out hustled. But I think this postseason they showed like in the past they maybe lose against the, the Knights, but I think they've made it past those like sort of hurdles initially. And um, yeah, it's the Blues, man. I mean they're good, you know. So yeah, I don't follow hockey super closely. But, no, but um, I think you... You know, I was rooting for them, like, the whole way. I, you know, it would have been sweet to have double Bay championships this year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And going on at the same time, too, it would have been crazy. But I, I think you bring yeah. up a lot of good points of, like, this team being resilient. And even despite some low points, even in the regular season, with, like, Carlson being out yeah. so long, but, like, the Sharks were able to, you know, go on a tear during that. And then at the end of the year, just, like, that losing, you know, just, like it seemed like they were like in serious trouble right before the postseason and then they got their act together and then they went into the postseason looking great at, in game one and then and then that series is just like so insane to look back on the Vegas series just like dropping those three games going down 3-1 and it's just like oh my god here we go again like we're just Sharks early exit this is gonna be painful you know and it's like they end up battling back in such close crazy competitive games and then that nice game seven sorry yeah. nice are a good team they are, man. They are a great team. And most people would say that the Knights deserve to win that series in a way, deserve. despite that call. But I don't I compl- I disagree with that in the sense of like you're not you're not owed anything or you don't deserve anything. You gotta scratch and claw and fight and do whatever you can to just get a win. And that's what exactly what the Sharks did, being down three nothing in game well, three to one in the series, three nothing in that game seven. They get that, you know, five minute major and they just explode and capitalize on that which should not have happened like as in like the the, are always good. yeah man that's the new i mean that's a new huge rivalry like that's on the yeah. L, you know we've talked about it before that's on the level of like the la kings rivalry it's it's some would consider it even more now like of a rivalry so we'll see man i just i just think it was a great year like i don't look at any it never gets any easier watching the sharks get eliminated it gets harder and harder year after year because like the passion and love for this team as personally for myself like it grows year after year not even thinking that it's possible that it can get stronger but it does and it just hurts more and more but like i look back on it and reflect and don't look at it as a negative it's like i'm grateful the fact that the sharks are consistently competitive so i don't know that's that's my that's my reflection on that i am rooting for the blues over the bruins so yeah, uh, you kind of have to break up that whole Boston championship yes, run thing, yeah, right? It's ridiculous. That. Like, I just I I respect a lot of the players on the Blues. I really do. Um, I really like Ryan O'Reilly. He's one of my favorite NHL players in the league. I just love the way he plays, and um, and I did like Alex Petrangelo, but I don't like him too much after that cheap shot to Pavelski. Not a big fan, but like Bennington, that kid's a stud in net, and like I I just I really hope. Yeah, and I just really hope they do it, man. Like, I hope they get their first ever. They've never gotten a cup before. They've been around since 67. They're as old as the Kings franchise, and they're taking longer to get their first cup than the Kings did, which was a long time. It's something yeah, I always... They never had Wayne Gretzky. They never had... And they never got a cup with Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, we're throwing a little heat at the LA Kings down there. That's fine, yeah, you know. Sharks, Sharks will get theirs. I know it. They will, man, of course. And there's, st- I mean, I still consider the Sharks a young franchise compare- in comparison to a lot of the other NHL teams out there. So it's like, you know, well, it's all good. You know, like, it's all good. And I believe in this team. And I think they have the pieces they need, um, the core at least. And I think we'll, we'll get into that. But like, I just want to get to Chris. Like, what was your take on, uh, on the year? How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you guys, there's definitely disappointment when it's like all said and done. But, you know, now. 
that I've had like a week or so, whatever to kind of reflect on it and stuff. Like there is disappointment, but I think overall, if you, you know, say at the beginning of the season that you get six games deep into the Western conference final, I mean, obviously you'd like to go further and you'd like to win that cup, but they went further than literally the two other teams that are in the Stanley cup. So, you know, you go further than what? 28 other teams. It's not terrible. You know, I mean, I think there was obviously higher expectations a little bit with just because they brought Eric Carlson in. And I think it kind of set them up as like, you know, this was Stanley cup or bust. Um, And I know kind of the narrative on them that a lot of the rest of the league likes to talk about like, well, this is an aging core and like, you know, how much longer do they have together? And, you know, with Joe Thornton and Pavelski and guys that we're going to get into. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that uh, next year, depending obviously on on what happens with Carlson, with all those guys, I think uh, they've definitely set themselves up that they're still one of the top teams in the West. I don't see why they can't be in that same position next year and, and fighting for it. And hopefully you don't run into a team like the Blues, who I think, obviously went literally from like worst to first and they were just a hot team and a hot goalie and you know took six games to kind of undo everything the Sharks did over the season but I think looking back on it obviously the highlights uh as far as game seven you got one of the best Sharks games in their franchise history in game seven against the Knights um then there were a lot of good moments during the regular season uh so overall I mean obviously I'm I'm happy to you know kind of reflect back on like how well they've done it's just getting over that hump like the little bit more. But, you know, like yeah. you said, Eunice, like hockey, it's just yeah. so hard to win a Stanley Cup. I think even yeah. all, probably more so that than any other league just because of like one little bounce one way or another like changes everything, yeah. you know. So yeah. and, and the Sharks were on the good side of it sometimes. And unfortunately, they were on the wrong side of it other times. But, you know, what can you do? It's just effort and having those like gnarly guys on your squad you always see like Stanley Cup teams have like the Dan Chara or something like I mean that's throwback obviously like no he's still playing I mean yeah I hear you though dude it's yeah, like yeah just like super Narnar guys um, but that can still play skill yeah yeah exactly the Sharks have all had a lot of skill I feel like the Sharks season it's sort of like the Blazers season which means that I think the Blazers had a better than expected season and obviously they flamed out in the playoffs against the Warriors um, but like they had the, a lot of moments in the playoffs that proved them that they were a great squad and I think their fans walked away feeling that way and I know we're, we're as we as Sharks fans are walking away feeling like pretty good about the squad moving forward I know we're going to lose some pieces but like we got some young guys too and the franchise has always been a good about reloading um, and obviously the Bay is a nice destination so it's like I mean I think we'll be fine in the future and you know getting that championship is so much more random in hockey it's not about one or two star guys it's about the whole squad is your third line dope is your second line dope obviously your star players matter but obviously the goal is the number one thing sometimes uh, yeah. so just getting all that to come together is just more complicated true man it's that and it's the luck of the draw when it comes to health like that is the key thing i think what really cost the sharks yeah, this yeah. postseason was not being able to take down a team that played very similarly to them like with skill and speed like the colorado avalanche and not being able to contain a one-line team like that enough to yeah. make it a shorter series they ended up winning it obviously and alternating wins They're and losses but like yeah i think going seven games with the vegas golden knights which i think was potentially expected as far as like if you looked at that like this is going to be a grinder of a series and then you look at Colorado and it's like 
man, if the, the Sharks just did not make it easy on themselves, you know, and the, and the Avalanche didn't make it easy on them either. You know, the, the Avalanche, you got to credit them. You can't just be like, well, you can't just look past them. They're a skilled team. They have one of the best hockey players in the league and Nathan McKinnon. But like, you know, they uh, the Sharks just like that, that wore them down, I think. And then you go in tired to a Blues series against a team that plays completely differently than the Avalanche and they're going to hit you way harder and they did. And the Sharks got shaken up. They caught the injury bug a little bit and like it cost them. Like, look, Pavs wasn't even in game six when they got eliminated and Carlson wasn't in there either. Like they lost key guys that like they needed. Carl and Pavs. It's like they're key guys. Yeah, like they're, like they didn't have a chance to go to a game seven. Maybe if those guys are in, they have a chance. Yeah, and there's no excuses, you know? Like, every team has to deal with injuries, you know? Like, every team deals with injuries, it's part of it. But it's just a matter of how serious those injuries are. Can players play through them, and should they? Like, it's it's tough, man. So, I mean, looking forward, the Sharks apparently are getting Bob Bugner back uh, from as an assistant coach. He left in 2017 uh, to go coach the Florida Panthers, and he has since been relieved of his duties there and is now coming back and replacing Rob Zettler, um, which is going to be a good thing for Brent Burns. Uh, you know, he is that's a big relationship that Burns had uh, with that coach who was a key factor that elevated his game in, in the 2015-2016 campaign. So it's going to be very... Uh, very interesting, which is obviously the year that the Sharks went to the Stanley Cup final that year uh, for the first time in franchise history. So it's going to be interesting to have him back, especially after like, you know, what he's learned from being a head coach now and like what what elements he brings now back to the Sharks, which I think is good to see him back um, with a familiar coaching staff. And uh, but now looking as far as like players next year, there was a really good article that Kevin Kurz wrote in The Athletic that broke down a lot of them. I didn't take all of them off because I don't think we need to like talk about every single player. Like we don't need to talk about Michael Haley, you know? I think we need to talk about key guys. And like the key guys I'm looking at are like, first off, like players like Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc, both are restricted free agents. And I think there's no doubt that the Sharks will have the cap space to bring them back. Depending on what Meyer wants to do, Meyer can warrant a lot more money after a great season that he had, but like, I know Doug Wilson was quoted in saying like, yeah, we're going to hopefully look at like a bridge deal, meaning like something that's like, you know, maybe a, uh, you know, a negotiation between Meyer and an understanding between Meyer and Wilson where it's like, all right, like we don't have, you know, we want to keep you and we want to make you a shark, but let's make this reasonable. Like the sharks don't want to overpay and like hopefully Meyer won't be looking for the most money versus like the competitive team and the team he wants to be with right there's like got to be a balance there so hopefully there's a compromise there on both sides that they can come to an agreement and keep them there but i don't know i think kevin lebank is another one he played all 82 games this year and he had like you know 56 total points with 17 goals 39 apples and like he had that he had what four he had a point on every goal in that major power like uh, yeah power he did play, yeah, right like points. in that game seven like which was insane, including the goal that put them ahead, right? It was just, and he is, like, those two guys are exactly what you talked about, Eunice, right? Like, the Sharks have got young guys up and coming in the future. Like, I look at Timo Meyer as, like, a, like another Logan Couture in the, of the future, you know? And Logan Couture still has, obviously, like, he has how many years left on his deal? Like, does he have, like, an eight-year deal that starts yeah, next year? Yeah, he's got year? an eight-year deal that yeah. starts next year. I look at so. Meyer as, like, oh, another oh. Couture, you know? Like, another scoring stud who can, like, produce and is, like, a gritty determined focused player so i see him in the long-term plans for the sharks and i do see that with kevin lebank as well and so getting now i mean and then moving on to some other names here uh looking at like donskoy Jonas donskoy i think like 
I would love to see Don Skoy back. I think he is also like a personality like guy. You know, they had like the dancing hips, Don Skoy bobblehead and stuff and like, but he didn't really produce. And like, he's a guy that like, I think he and like a person like Gus Nyquist are, even knowing I think Gus Nyquist has had a much better year, obviously, and like is doing really well and might warrant a huge contract from another team out there. Um, I think those are two guys that like are on the perimeter of like, on the outside, necessarily, like right on the fringe, I guess is what I'm trying to say, depending on how other guys shake out. That's how I'm looking at those players. I don't know. Like, yeah. those four guys I just threw out there, like Nykus, Donskoy, LeBanc, Meyer, like, what what say you? Well, I, as, for what it's worth, Kevin Kurz has Nyquist and Donskoy both as in his column as more likely to be playing somewhere else next season. I did see that. Yeah. Um, but I think he kind of goes into what you're saying is, you know, those aren't the guys that, that the Sharks necessarily focus on right away. Uh, and I think it trickles down to. Do they bring Pavelski back? Do they bring exactly. Thornton back? How much would it cost to you know, bring Carlson back? Yeah. Uh, how much is Meyer going to get in his deal? So I think then it's like, all right, how much do we have left to to get Nyquist what he wants or keep Donskoy? So totally. I think those will obviously kind of be trickle-down guys. Um, but, I mean, as far as, you know, the guys you mentioned so far, I think there's no question to me that, that Timo Meyer is sticking around unless a team comes in with a ridiculous offer sheet or something to try to sign him away. But... I think, uh, you know, like you said, he's probably kind of the next Logan Couture as far as, you know, giving him a contract, making sure that he's in place uh, for the long term. And especially with the way that he kind of broke out this year with like 30 goals. And uh, I, I think that, you know, as much as Carlson and Pavelski will probably be the big priorities, like I can see them really focusing on Timo Meyer too. I know they don't have to compete with the rest of the league necessarily because he's not a unrestricted free agent but uh but Meyer's the guy for me that I, I hope that they can kind of lock down as you know but they're talking about a bridge contract but uh we'll see how long you know they end up trying to go with him but hopefully Meyer's a guy I think that they want to lock in long term totally That's what I'm looking and at, I but. think I think yeah exactly that point like the priority seems to be like Eric Carlson a little bit like Eric Carlson and Joe Pavelski have to be the priorities here of like what exactly like what the chess move is here on this because like Carlson it doesn't seem like Carlson is committed to coming back to San Jose whatsoever at all like he might actually mentally be thinking like I'm gonna look somewhere else and that's fine and I think that was expected with the fact that there wasn't a deal signed this year or you know after right after the trade deadline when a max deal could be offered right eight year deal but like the Sharks are still the only team that can offer him that. And I think, I don't know if even the Sharks want to offer him that based on, he's kind of got like an injury prone moniker now. Like that's, that's kind of what he's known for now, especially with the fact that like that groin injury, like really did aggravate him late in the year. And like, he didn't come out to a hot, like, didn't start off the season very hot with the team in the first place. Granted, he like, it was definitely a culture shock for him to get traded from a team he never thought he'd get traded from. And then like, I mean, being injured in the playoffs, that injury coming back and aggravating him and making him look, you know, very not like Eric Carlson. I think that's, a, I mean, it's a red flag to be like, or do we want to just, you know, throw the freaking whole lot at this guy and try and get him to come back while at the same time potentially losing ground on being able to get players like Meyer, Pavs, Nyquist potentially locked up, right? Like, it might not be worth it for the Sharks. So I think there's a balance there where like Carlson's probably going to test the free agency market. Sharks are going to keep a close eye on him and try and see if they can get him. But um, I think the priority definitely needs to be on Joe Pavelski and bringing him back. And like, yeah, he's going to turn 35 this summer. This is, like Kevin Kerr said in his article, likely going to be the last chance that Joe Pavelski can get his best big contract 
and it might not be from the sharks but what are the sharks going to be willing to offer him and like what is pavs going to be willing to take for that balance of like okay money versus staying with the team that i've been with my whole career right like so i don't know it's gonna be i just and the other thing that's weird is like jumbo i don't think has made it very clear if he's coming back yet or not like i kind of think if yeah like can you imagine next year like both joes being gone out of san jose like that'd be that'd be crazy what that's that's what they can just run it back they can just run it yeah if joe pog signs again then maybe thornton stays for one more year just for a chance at a chip, you know. I hear you, man, and I think uh, I think Jumbo is like I don't see why he wouldn't. He seems like he had a great year, and he's like had a healthy year. That's the thing, like for the most part for him after these, you know, the two knee surgery things, and like, and but he did kind of. I mean, he had a healthy year, but he did go through a few things, like with the knee infection, his broken toe, he had a pulled groin, infected. You know, he had some stuff, but like overall, like playing wise, like in the postseason, he was healthy and like. I don't know. I just, I think I could, I could see him coming back for one more, you know, like what he turns, does he turn 40 this summer? Oh uh, yeah. Up. Yeah. He does. Like I get, he's accepted that role of like depth center, like third line center, yeah. like, and it's great. And he's playing with, I just think it's a perfect fit. And like, I, th- I, I see, I don't see Jumbo not coming back for one year. And I think there's a way to make it done and he's not going to go anywhere else. If he comes back for another season, it's going to be only with the sharks. And I think there would, there's an interest in the shark side as well to bring him back. And I think there's a mutual understanding of like, Hey, we need, we have priorities to bring back other guys like Pavs, try and get Carlson, you know, Meyer, maybe Nyquist. Like there's an understanding that like Joe Jumbo isn't going to get more than a year, single year deal. And it might not be the highest paying year for him. Right. But like, I think, I don't know. I think there's an understanding that Jumbo will be back. I think we see Jumbo and Pavs back. And I don't know about Carlson, but I definitely see both Joes coming back. And I want Nyquist, dude. I think Nyquist was great. I think he can do damage with this team. Like, even if we don't get Carlson, I'm anticipating him not coming there. I think there's, like, some rumors, like, Tampa Bay really wants Carlson. And looking at it from a lightning perspective, like, that's the way to try and win a fan base back of how disappointing they left this season by getting swept by the freaking Blue Jackets in the first round after winning the President's Trophy and like tying the record for most wins in a season. That's how you get fans back. You make a big-ass splash like getting Eric Carlson on your blue line along with Victor Hedman. That'd be insane. Like, that would be crazy to get Eric Carlson on that team and I can understand why Eric Carlson would want to go to that team, right? So, what were you saying? Sorry? I said, of course. Yes. So, I think... Like, we'll see about that. But I want to see Nyquist back. I mean, can you imagine? Like, dude, I look at, even if you get Meyer, like, Nyquist back for a full year with the Sharks now. Like, we we got Kane locked in. We got Couture locked in. You get Pavs back. You get Jumbo back. And, like, Meyer and LeBanc. And then we'll see how, I think the key is the depth, man. Like, young, up-and-coming dudes that are in the system right now. Like, we'll see if, like, Antisuamela has a better breakout, you know, offseason. And, like, see what he can you know, do during development camp. And like, I think like, we'll see how things shake up on that fourth line with Goodrow and Donskoy. And, and like, I guess, you know, Sorensen, I think had got an extension for a couple years or something like that. Like, I think the key thing is shuffling around your depth players. And Kevin Kerr's brought up a really good point in his article that like the blues showed how, and the, and the avalanche showed how like the sharks depth 
like the third and fourth, their fourth line had room, much room for improvement because there were times when the Sharks were getting beat out by the fourth lines of the other teams. And it's like, what the hell's happening? You know? And I don't know. Yeah. That's on the fact that Evander Kane went cold in the playoffs and like some of their players went cold in the third round, especially, you know, and like even Logan Couture was kind of limited and against the blues, right. Even though he was clutcher for much of the whole postseason. So like, I don't know, man, I think the Sharks key moves here are like, Bringing back their, these key guys we talked about, ho- hopefully getting Nyquist back, probably losing out on the Carlson sweepstakes here um, in this free agency for him and like trying to shake up the freaking depth and see what we got with up and coming guys and guys that are out on the free agency market that we could sign. So I don't know. That's what I think. Oh, and Kerr's brought up a really good point as well. The, I didn't even mark this down. I forgot, but the goaltending situation, like... Jones is locked in. Jones is locked in, but they're they need to look, I think, for a better backup for sure. I completely agree with what he said. I don't think the Sharks come back and have Dell as the backup behind Jones. I think they can go out and get somebody. He, he Kerr's even brought up like a veteran, maybe some more veteran goalie uh, that could come in and back him up, which I think would be good. I think there could be a bigger safety net for <laughs> for the Sharks in net, you know. Um, and we'll obviously see how Jones bounce back next year, but like, I think there needs to be a change there. That's why I think. All right. I don't know. Do you? Do no, you, do you I agree. agree? I, I mean, mean yeah. Dell's shown shown he can play in the past, but he had an off year this year for yeah. sure. As I did mean, Jones. And yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you know. Kurz commented on that too. Is like, if you're a team with with the worst save percentage in the league, like Martin Jones probably isn't going anywhere. So you got to make some kind of change there and. Yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't, we so only saw Dell a handful of times in the playoffs, which is what you'd prefer. But um, having, I think, improvement behind Martin Jones, especially if Jones is going to struggle again next year. I mean, well, obviously, we hope he doesn't. But yeah, we will. You know, you're going to want somebody to be able to go in and kind of calm things down. Whereas Dell at times kind of just made it worse. So you know, it's yeah. kind of so it's tough situation. Yeah, but exactly, I hear you. What are the options? I guess um, as far as that market is concerned is it is it is it, is it known um honestly i haven't looked into it too much yet about who's going to be available like who is going to be upcoming with like free agency uh in between the pipes for a lot of teams so i don't know but um i mean there were rumors there were rumors about like what sorry it's it's tough to gauge like a player's performance sometimes as a backup goalie you never know like sometimes guys come out of the woodwork in the playoffs and it's like oh shit this guy's hella clutch yeah i mean well yeah like look at bennington dude or look at uh who was the goal uh uh grubauer for the avalanche like it seemed like Semyon Varlamov. i think varlamov is going to be one of those guys because he wanted to stay with the abs but i don't think that they're the long-term plans for the colorado avalanche because uh you know grubauer is this young guy who came in and killed it and did great in between the pipes so he's obviously locked in the starting position in my opinion <laughs> i i believe and and you look at uh i mean who was the other goalie for uh Freaking uh, St. Louis behind Biddington. I for, is it Jake Allen? Uh, I think Allen? that name. Yeah, the name sounds familiar, but I think it's Jake. I Allen. think it is. Yeah. Um, so it's like these are like veteran guys that are not in the starting roles as younger dudes, and I think they. Yeah, he's with the Blues right now. He's the backup, but was their starter. I mean, he's only twenty eight. <laughs> like, you know, like I don't think he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, after this year but uh i think varlamov is i think ryan miller is i believe uh with the ducks 
he'll be out. He, he was. There were rumors going around that he, the Sharks were looking at him to trade for him with Anaheim. That obviously just turned out to be bogus, but because it didn't happen and like nothing came about it. But like that, Ryan Miller is an example of like a veteran goaltender who has accepted a backup role, like with Anaheim, and like he could be a guy that could come in if he's gonna for the right price, like if the Sharks want to go after him or something, like or Verlamov, you know. So like, I mean, there's those two guys that come off the top of my head, but I'm not sure who else will be out there. Martin Jones is the championship goalie. When he plays like he can, yes. Yes. Yeah. If he plays like, if he looks like he did, that's the thing though, is he's so polarizing sometimes. Look, like, when does his play? Like, look at what happened in the Vegas series. Like, those early goals on the single shot, like, within a minute. Like, that's not championship caliber play, not at all. But he's obviously turned that around. And I think that shows is, you know, like we saw it, resiliency and ability to just put that in the past and bounce back and put on a killer performance and set up NHL postseason record with what 58 saves or whatever it was and in, in game five or whatever right game six game I don't six, remember yeah. game six so yeah definitely he's a championship caliber goalie and come out like with a killer instinct that's what the goalie has to do yeah it's just um, a matter of consistency you know tighter and tighter and like a 3-1 lead is irrelevant even a 4-1 lead becomes like sketch I mean, it can be gnarly. So it's like coming out and coming out strong and trying to build the best advantage you can. The goalie is like the fulcrum of that. Totally. Uh, Ryan Miller was like on Buffalo at some point. Oh yeah, he was. He was like yeah. their franchise so guy for a while. Coming in would be sweet because screw the Ducks and we would take a player from them and <laughs> he'd be a great. He's a great goalie. I mean, he was the USA goalie for a while. I believe he has a lot of experience. Maybe he could teach Martin Jones about. Like the experience. Yeah, I just I think it's a it's a veteran presence, right? Like jump like Joe Thornton is a veteran presence. I think Ryan Miller would be a veteran presence. Uh, and he's not obviously not a starter anymore, but like he could maybe come in and I don't know, see what he could he, he could contribute. Who knows, man? So we'll see we'll see how it shakes out. But all in all, I'm really happy with this Shark season. It was I think arguably one of the greatest Shark seasons. Uh, just be I mean honestly, that series with Vegas was so emotional and that game 7 was insane. Like I'll never forget that for the rest of my life and I think a lot of Sharks fans agree that they will never forget that for the rest of their lives. It was incredible and I love this team, proud of this team and I hope we see uh you know, I would love to see Jumbo back again, you know. Um so we'll see. We'll see how that sh- Honestly, I'm going to throw something out there, okay? I know that the Leafs the Maple Leafs want to get rid of Patrick Marlowe's contract. I because he I don't, he doesn't seem like he's very loved over there. Um, I don't know what his production was this past year, but I guess it wasn't up to their standards. Uh, so bring Patty back. I honestly like I could see him and have him retire. Yeah, I could see him coming back uh, if he will accept a similar role with Thornton. Can you imagine Marlowe and Thornton on like a third line role together? Am I crazy? Maybe people would think I'm crazy, but I think that would be badass. Not because I'm just a diehard lover of Patrick Marlowe, uh, like huge fan, but I don't know. I think that would be A, crazy, and B, awesome. <laughs> That's what I think. Uh, but I don't think I don't think it's actually going to happen, but that'd be crazy. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll see, dude. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but... No. Because um, I think they have other... Other priorities to work on, first of all. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it'd be great to see it, but we'll see, dude. That'd be so much fun. (laughs) Anyway, all right. So let's go to the closing segment. Let's do it. 
we're uh, we're gonna talk. So Yoon, we didn't talk to you about this. We we like to do a closing segment, keep it on the lighter side uh, at the end of each episode. So this this week we're gonna do uh, our top five MLB jerseys, but not we can't include our favorite team. So like Chris can't include the Giants, and I can't include the Dodgers or the A's. Um, so I guess for you, what, where do your loyalties lie, Yoon? Are you a Giants and A's guy, Bay Area guy? What are you? Oh, we lost Eunice. We, oh, shoot. <laughs> we lost him. Okay, let me call him. Oh, call failed. Oh, I lost Wi-Fi. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. That's what happened. Okay, well, we're going to try and get Yoon back on the line here, but... uh, <laughs> Whoops. Technical difficulties live here on the pod. Oh, man. All right, well, while we try to get him back, let's kick off this segment here. Uh, Chris, do you want to you wanna name your... Uh, do you have your first, or can you do yeah. it without the Wi-Fi being uh, on here? I mean, I, I got it. I have it. Uh, I have some notes on there. Got some um, notes. But uh, yeah, dude. I mean, you know, we're doing top five. I actually, I have five listed. I have one clear cut number one, and then like the oh, other, yeah? the other four I have are, are like all tied, kind of. I guess I, I don't know. Okay. I, I think it's hard to like rank one over the other. Um, there was. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll, I say "quote unquote" my fifth team or whatever. Um, I have the Rays. Uh, okay. Primarily with, so I like their like their overall aesthetic and all that. But um, if I had to like just pick a certain jersey for them, I do like their throwback, uh, the Devil Ray with the, one of the hats uh, I have, like the yeah. Devil with the Devil Ray cap. Yeah. Um, that was something they did last year for their twentieth anniversary. Uh, they had you know the throwback Devil Rays jerseys. Uh, the throwback Devil Rays logo with like their updated color scheme, and they actually kept that around as like one of their Sunday alternates, weekend alternate kind of things. Um, so that was really cool. I like when teams kind of go with the retro look, but a little bit updated. Um, I do have two other teams that are on this list that fall in that same category. But yeah, before um, we do that, I'm gonna get Eunice back on here yeah, really yeah. quick so we can just at least say goodbye to him because I think we lost him. All right, Yoon. Sorry, I got you back on my phone here, uh, really quick. Uh, sorry, we lost you, man. I was like, I was throwing something your way to to talk, and I and I was like, oh man, wait, where did he go? And then I realized I lost Wi-Fi, so you got disconnected. Sorry about that, dude. But uh, I guess really quick before we go into our closing segment, we'll just say our goodbye to you, you really quick, Yoon. Uh, thanks for joining us on the pod, and like, this was good times. Dude, thanks and, for having me. Dude, yeah. Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll Let get me this. Chime in on. Hell yeah! I, th- let's, I think we could get you back and talk some more NBA as it as the series goes on, or who knows how short of a series it'll be. We'll see if my prediction's correct. Well, there's a lot of time in the NBA Finals. It moves a little slower than hockey, so we'll have uh, at least between the, uh, the the travel days will be boring. Yeah, what well, would be fun to try would be to try and get you and Kyle on because he likes and or Bobby like all you guys at the same time just do a big old thing if we can do like a conference call if we get the technology to do it that'd yeah. be fun man we'll try and see if we can get that arranged before the the finals are over even if the finals do end we can we can analyze and recap the whole series so um but yeah dude thanks for joining us man hell yeah to do it again soon uh hopefully the Warriors will be up two nothing coming back home sunny california man hell yeah <laughs> good stuff man all right well thanks for thanks for joining us man i'll catch up with you soon all right all right bye chris all right see, see you man <laughs> later dude later bye bye all right so that was yoon that was awesome first time first time calling in with us but uh all right so so you listed number one you had the the, the devil rays throwback 
Yeah. The Rays throw back Technically, to the like, Well, I started at the bottom, I guess. They're like, not, see, like I say, like they're number five. So but I didn't not know really. we were doing throwbacks because that throws You me can off do whatever you bit. want, man. That's I mean, fine. I, I just put, I didn't, you know, put I didn't, whatever out there. Yeah, okay. I didn't dive in as much to this segment as I probably should have, but I can remember some th- some throwbacks here. But um, here, I guess my number five, I'll just start, I'll throw out there the, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, the ones that they're wearing now slash their throwbacks. Like, they used to wear these, right? Um, I really like their blue. I also like the red one. I don't think they've worn that this year so far, but, like, do you remember the red one that says Blue Jays? You know well, about? I think, didn't they do that for, like, uh, Canada Day or something? Was, like, <laughs> am I wrong? I, that? Dude, I, thought, I, I know they have, no like, a special, a special look for Canada Day. Sonny, you were a special. A special. <laughs> a special. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, then, and then MLB forces them to partake in the fourth of july stuff anyway which is stupid but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well that's true yeah i never thought about that that is kind of weird why would they do that um yeah i like the blue ones like oh the white ones are clean too but with that with that font with the line between like i just i think with the little blue jay and the leaf and everything i really like those a lot i like the hats too i like the logo overall i just uh, i'm a big fan so that's excuse me uh, i just hiccup slash burped uh i think that would be considered my uh fifth Okay, Maybe yeah, so will. actually I have a Blue Jays on there as well. Oh, good man. Um, so not to, I'm not going to rehash all the stuff that you just said, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I like their clean look. Uh, I will say I like how now it's like, a, you know, an updated version of kind of like their like 80s and 90s look. The one in between mm. that, I don't know if you remember. What, just said Jays? Where it said Jays and it was kind of like a... J coming out? Yeah, the, the, I think it was the 2004 to 2011 look i did not like but uh but this these look really clean though i do i do like this is this is probably like as close to a dodger look as i'm gonna approve (laughs) of because it's blue with a little bit of red (laughs) yeah but uh no but yeah so i had blue jeans on there too i think that was pretty clean um you want to go to your uh sure yeah i'm gonna uh i'm gonna go with the mariners uh i really like the mariners logo overall i've always liked it um when they have the blue and the teal and it's kind of sharks colors a little bit here you know and like I think, uh, oh man, that's, I'm clicking on the wrong thing. But I really like their teal jerseys. I think the white ones are clean too, and they're dark blue. And like when they say Seattle with the dark blue, I think sometimes yeah, don't yeah. they wear those. Um, I just overall really dig them. But obviously, my favorites are their teal uh, jerseys. It was funny because I, I was working at the A's Mariners game uh, a few days ago, or what was it, last weekend or something, and. Uh, and I kept seeing teal stuff, and I was like, some people were wearing shark stuff to the mm-hmm. A's game, but then I was like, oh wait, is that a sharks thing over there? And I was like, oh wait, no, that's a Mariners thing. And so, for that reason, I, I dig them. I really like their teal ones, though. I think they're I like think, clean um, looking, dude. So, if they're the same ones, I think that you're talking about, they are uh, technically listed as seafoam green. Sure. Is as the it's technically <laughs> not sharks it's, teal. It's, it's not, not. No, well, I'm not even saying like yeah, they they have it's a. Uh, it's a team team specific thing called seafoam green. Do they make up like their own color for this jersey? Or like, I don't know, but Maybe. Uh, but the sharks but yeah, call no, it Pacific teal, though. right? Well, the sharks, yeah, so yeah, it's all so kind of every team wants their own little yeah. like thing, you know. <laughs> uh, I like them a lot. I think they're I think they're awesome uniforms, and and like, I'm, not, I'm not I can't even their gray ones like look fine. Like the Seattle across the chat, I like their font. It's clean uniform, man. I like it. I like it. Um. What the next one of the next ones I had was uh, the Cardinals. Um, okay. Yeah. And <laughs> well, I, I like the Cardinals just because um, I do kind of like the the birds, the birds sitting on the bat kind of thing, like on the jersey. Of course. I was you like do. quickly walk like looking through all the different jerseys, and I'm I don't know I might leave a couple teams out here, but like 
the Cardinals look like they're one of the few teams, and the Jays are one of the other ones, that have like their team kind of logo and then also their script, like their the team name, like both on the jersey. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. like they have like Cardinals and like their script Cardinals and then like the bat with the with the two birds on it. They kind of so combine on the actual their jersey. team name and their team logo on the actual jersey. And they're one of the few teams that actually do that. And the Blue Jays are one of the other ones. That's more of a coincidence. Yeah, Miami doesn't me. do that. They just but, have uh, the Miami. They don't have yeah. the Marlin or anything. But um, yeah, because mo- most teams kind of just like have the script and then they'll use their logo on the hat. But St. Louis kind of, I don't know, kind of combines both things. And I do like how they have uh, one of their alternate hats is like what the single cardinal on the bat. Like, you know what hat I'm talking about? Like it's navy with a red bill and it has like one of the birds in the bat like on it. It's like their Sunday alternate hat. They actually wear cool. those? That's not like they do a actually wear those, BP yeah. hat or something? They do oh, wear this. Um, okay. But yeah, so I like, I like the Cardinals one because they're one of the teams also that like they haven't changed their look too much over the years. It's kind of been yeah, it's mostly the same. So it's like, like the a Giants, pretty clean like the Dodgers, one. Cardinals, Yankees, all those, those are like original looking teams. They also have the, uh, they use their like sock, the stripes on the socks. Like they're one of the few teams that still has, it's like the white, blue, and red like stripes like on their socks. It's kind of cool. You are going uh, to the nitty gritty. I'm just looking, here. I'm looking at what's in front of me here. Just like a, what about one picture. What about those powder blue things they got? Those all power those kind of like yeah they're like, like they bring uh, back like Phillies a, looking uniforms yeah <laughs> yeah I mean they're pretty cool things. they're pretty cool I like those um, they call them victory blue I oh, think is what man. they just, what they call them just shoot anyway. me now yeah um, so uh, I'll go I'll just uh, damn I kind of got a oh man screw it I'm gonna do two here okay I'm gonna yeah, yeah. cheat okay I'm gonna cheat I'm gonna say uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Minnesota Twins are a tie Okay. I not all the twins uniforms. We've gone over this before when they have that gold trim this year. Yeah. You know, not a fan. Don't like that. Uh, really, really don't like it. Uh, but I really do like just the the clean uh, script across the chest. Uh, they're, they're specifically their white jerseys with like the the twins script across. Not the old school twin script, which is okay. But like the you know you know which one I'm talking about. The more modern twins yeah, yeah, yeah. script. I really like that one, and, and their blue jerseys that have it. They haven't worn them so much this year. I'm looking on uh, sportslogos.net here. They they've only really have the white jerseys with that script, but they have blue jerseys with it as well. I think those are pretty clean. And I'm going to also say the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, I really, really li- I don't like gold and black usually, or yellow and black as colors. You know, like I, Boston Bruins, Pittsburgh Penguins, Steelers, whatever. But the yeah, Pirates, the, the, all of Pittsburgh, all of the Pittsburgh teams. <laughs> yeah, and then Boston, obviously the Boston Bruins. Yeah. But uh, I think the Pirates jerseys, especially the ones that are the black with the P on the left chest, or the gold uh, with the black P. I think I've seen those, but I'm, I guess I'm not seeing them this year either. Uh, but I've seen those in the past. You know what I'm talking about? Those are, yeah. and they have the Pirate Cross, you know, it's, the, yes. it's almost like the skull and crossbones look, but it's like the bats and the pirate right. thing on it. Yeah, yeah, I love those. I think those are awesome. I love their hats. I have a pirate's hat. I, I love the P. Like it's it's clean. I like it. So nice. There you go. What's your um, next one? It was actually one that you brought up with the Phillies, uh, the powder blues. Ugh. I don't like the Phillies unis just in general, um, but I do like. I actually do like that jersey and the main reason is just because i like that color combination of like it's like a powder blue and burgundy it's like a really i don't know like i don't see a lot of teams actually going with like that look because they go with a, like powder blue jersey but they still wear like the throwback like burgundy hat and helmet okay. so it's like you know a little bit of a mix kind of some unique uh, color combination 
there. Um, that's the main reason I like it. I don't think it's like that that like cool of a jersey, but the color combination is pretty unique. So that's why I threw that one in there. Um, yeah, yeah, just mix it up a little bit. This one's probably just the most cliche, but can you guess who I'm going to say? But the A's. Are no, you not? We're not, not allowed to we're say the A's. We're not allowed to oh, say. Oh, I forgot because I yeah, yeah yeah. No A's and no Dodgers for me. So I don't know that. Yeah, who who, who would be have? the cliche team with the best uniforms? With the best uniforms? Come on, in baseball. I don't that even. Most people would probably just say this. Oh, I don't know. Are you the Yankees. Yankees, really, yeah. dude? I yeah. see. I don't know, man. You don't like this, pin- dude? They're the classics, like the pinstripes. They're boring to me. It's boring. The pinstripes are not boring. They are not boring. They are clean as hell, dude. Like you just can't deny the beauty of those jerseys. Even the New York ones, like the their grays, are pretty clean. Like they're so standard and regular. But like, I love those uniforms, man. I think they're so clean. I really like them. They're the original team with the pinstripes. That's their thing. That's true. A lot of teams have knocked them off, and that's going to include one of the teams I'm bringing up as my number one. But, uh, yeah, man, that's that's my number two right there. All right. Um, I'll get – this is my clear-cut number one. Undisputed is the the Brewers with their glove logo. And now that they've – now that they've, like – Kind of, I know because I know you're not talking about like throwbacks and stuff, but they've started to incorporate that. Like they've embraced it more, as yeah. like they still have like the M with the little like barley, whatever the wheat. That's like yeah. still their main thing. Yeah. But like their alternate logos, the glove, and now they have both like the navy and gold alternate and the like royal blue and yellow alternate, which was like their original colors when they when they had that. But specifically, yeah, like their navy navy and gold with the with the glove logo and then the hat. So like hands down, I think it's mainly because I just love that logo so much. So that kind of enhances the the whole uniform. But yeah, uh, I mean they wear that. Yeah. It's like pinstripes that they wear with that, right? With it, the... Um, well, the, yeah. So they have they have two. One one is like the the actual like throwback, like the royal blue they wear at home with the with the blue pinstripes, and then uh they actually wore their navy ones against the Dodgers last year in the playoffs like with the mm. the navy and gold but uh yeah dude hands down that's that's my favorite one all right and uh, most people don't know but there's like the the mb is MB, in there yeah. right yeah a yeah, lot yeah. of people don't know that um all right my clear cut number one here of a non-favorite team chicago white Sox, baby uh i love the white Sox logo i've always loved their logo just socks you know i love the other logo too the 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 di- baseball diamond with the white sock in it oh yeah, yeah. and honestly i used to hate their old school logo that says socks with the guy batting yeah but i've really ever since i saw the we talked about the spring training hats and they had they brought that back right. it, yeah i was like that is a sick hat and i love it that's that's awesome i want to buy one i i, I have them I both just, dude i have the black and white of the batter you have both of them? and i have the one that's the throwback of when they're when they're white red and blue yeah but so i don't have the one that where it actually has the socks underneath it it's just like their batting the practice logo that's yeah, just, just the guy the yeah i have them both and then i same with the brewers i have the <laughs> royal blue glove and the navy blue glove because i do i didn't put the white socks <laughs> on there because because like that's more of like i guess like they don't really use that actual logo like, other than batting practice, right? But True. I love that logo, though. It's a so cool I should have put it on there. I'm but. just saying I do like all of their logos. The yeah. socks, the the diamond with the white sock in it, and then the... That's like their sleeve patch. Yes. Yeah, that and one's then cool. The, uh, and then the batting practice slash spring training hats, if you will. Um, but no, if I'm looking at uh, the white socks, 
unis like as a whole like my favorites hands down are the black ones with the chest I like socks yes. i love it those are and then so you got clean. the number on the crisp. other on the, the other number chest. on the other side and then you I have like the this. clean baseball diamond with the white sock on it and I, I love it and uh and also their pinstripes like i was gonna say that they ripped off the pinstripes like most teams have done uh of the yankees but i think their pinstripes are clean with the white with the socks logo right there like i love it man i think it's uh i think it's, they're just I think that's all they have. I mean, and then, and then honestly, I really do like their away jerseys as well. They're just grays the road, with the, the script gray. Chicago. Yeah. Clean. Pretty clean. Just clean, man. Like, I dig. You know, I love Chicago. And, uh, oh, and they do have the, they, this year they have worn their throwbacks with the white, with the, it's almost like a hockey jersey look with like the stripe across the center and it says socks and it's like white, red stripe, blue stripe, white stripe. Have I'm trying to those? remember if that was the, throwback that Chris Sale cut up the jerseys. Do you remember that? When he didn't he he cut up his jersey? No. And it's just uh, we don't need to get into it. But oh basically a couple years ago like he was supposed to start they're supposed to wear an alternate and he refused to he cut up his jersey. I think it's probably I think it's that one or it's the one that's way back. Either way, he cut up his jersey and he refused to like he couldn't pitch in the game cuz he didn't have any, a jersey to wear cuz it was cut in half. Why did he do that? Cuz he, he didn't like it. it the he fit of it. it. He didn't like he oh he, t- he told the team he said I don't want to wear those jerseys when I pitch. They're uncomfortable. And they did anyway and he got pissed off and he cut the jersey but anyway yeah so that's the that's 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 the story on this oh my god anyway so yeah well that was a fun segment i love talking jerseys dude we can talk jerseys anytime seriously sometime we'll do a whole podcast just on like a jersey special podcast you know what i'm saying like the bill burr podcast has the monday morning podcast as his main one and then he's like the thursday afternoon just before friday monday morning podcast and i'm just you know what i'm saying (laughs) oh yeah uh we should do that that'd be fun so Anyway, well, this was a little bit of a long episode, but it was fun to have Eunice on and uh, talk some stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll um, touch on more stuff next week. We'll see where the Warriors stand, and we'll, you know, find some more fun stuff. We'll check in on Correa, Correa's ribs, oh, yeah. see what the status of his, of his ribs are next week. So, uh, yeah, man, anything else you want to throw in there? Uh, no, I think that, d- that about does it for uh, this episode, so... Yeah, everyone uh, stay locked in on also all the social media stuff. Uh, we're gonna we'll probably try to post. Uh, I don't know what you want to do for this episode, but maybe we can throw some jerseys, some yeah, of our we'll favorite jerseys on there, there yeah. something like that. But sorry, uh, yes. we haven't had any highlights up there lately. But uh, we'll we'll try and get the socials up and running there. Yeah, and that's at uh, CB Sports Podcast for Instagram at CB Sports Pod for Twitter. And you can email the podcast at cbsportspodcast at gmail.com. All right. Later.